0: Well, good morning, church. (laughs) Ah, welcome. Uh, My name is David Carreño. I'm going to be sharing God's Word with you today. And this week, well, this month, uh, here at New Hope, we have been uh, sharing testimonies. It's been a a month of testimonies. The first week, we had um, uh, testimonies of Surf Home, which, for those who don't know what Surf Home is, is... Local missions that we do with different churches, we go and be the hands and feet of Jesus, serving those who are in need. And it was beautiful. We shared different stories, and uh, we saw how God worked through all of these things that we were doing through with the people that, that were in need. And the second week, Pastor Dave and his wife, Michelle, who, by the way, are in a very much needed vacations, like Nicole said, remember them, pray for them. They need this refreshing. But they they share a beautiful testimony of how God started speaking to them and to all the leaders here at New Hope of this move. We're living it today, but they gave us the beginning of it, how God started speaking to them, how he started opening doors. And here we stand today, still in that testimony. This week, I have the privilege of sharing with you guys. I'm going to be sharing my testimony, specifically my testimony of how I came to faith, how the Lord saved me. And next week, we're gonna have a, um, a dear friend from uh, uh, some of us know him, his name is Tommy Hogan. He's doing something very similar of what we as New Hope doing, are doing here at the center. Uh, so it's gonna be very nice to hear from our friend. So for my testimony, as I started thinking, Pastor Dave asked me if I didn't mind sharing my testimony. I started thinking of that word specifically testimony and what it means. And I, I went to the original word on the Bible, I wanted to look at what the Greek Bible meant, or or said, and the the words marturion, and it can also mean witness. So basically a testimony is to show or to proclaim something that the person that is sharing the testimony was an eyewitness account of it. And that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to tell you what I went through from before I met Jesus until I met him, and and until today. Um, But another interesting thing, as I was uh, reading about this word and kind of preparing for the message I saw that the word martyr comes from Marturion. and a martyr as we know means someone who suffers persecution and death for advocating a belief or for refusing to renounce that belief so with my testimony you guys are going to see how this word martyr like, like goes into my testimony because a martyr dies for their faith and for me, it's going to be a, a, a reverse of that. And that's why I titled this message, Resurrecting Life. Um, so I want you to, I want to take you on a, on, a, on a trip with me to the past and to all these things that I went through. So, but I want you at the same time, not just listen to what I'm saying and listen to my story, but I want you to do two things. One this is not about me this is about what God did in my life and so this speaks this is for you guys by the way this is God speaking to you And, and so I want you to see the God that is in my story and the God that is in your story that he's real and that he's alive and speaking to us but at the same time I want you to grab and then look at your own life and compare it to what we're going to be doing today to share this testimony I chose Ezekiel 37, um, 1 through 10, and you guys are going to see why, Um, but I divided my testimony into three parts. The first part, I I titled it, My Life Before Jesus, and, or Dry Bones, we're going to see why in the text. The second part is going to be, When I Met Jesus, and I call that the Rattling Bones, and the third one is, With Jesus. And I titled that also, Life. So we'll go to the first one, Life Before Jesus, Dry Bones. It's, it's found in Ezekiel 37, 1 to 3. The hand, of the, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? God asking, can these bones live? So a little context about where we stand on Ezekiel 37. This is in the Old Testament. This is before Jesus uh, was, he came to earth. And, and God spoke to his people, to the Israelites, through prophets. So Ezekiel was a prophet. And at the moment where he was standing... Uh, the, uh, an empire called the Babylonian Empire took all of the Israelites from their land and and basically they were getting to destroy their whole people and their temple so Ezekiel stood in a, in a foreign land as an exile receiving the word of God and what was the word of God to the Israelites at that moment it was a word of judgment why they were not being faithful to him God told them I am your God he showed them in many ways we've heard the story of the, the, the parting of the Red Sea in Egypt. That was God doing all these magnificent works of salvation for them. But they were not faithful. There was a price to pay because of that. And the price was that Jerusalem, their town, their temple, what the presence of God was, was destroyed. But the message didn't stay there. Then after Jerusalem has fallen and the people of God in a foreign land and they're destitute, and they're very much in distress, God starts speaking a new message. And chapter 34 through 37 is a a message of hope. It's a message of restoration. So in chapter 37 specifically, Ezekiel receives a vision. And it's a metaphor that God has given to Ezekiel about the state of the Israelites, of his people. And we see it here, we read, he's standing in a valley full of bones. And not only bones, but dry bones. Meaning, they've been dead for a while. They're completely dead. Speaking about the spiritual life of the people that God was leading. And as, you know, we're going to start this comparison, I told you. So I want you to think of this vision of Ezekiel, of God speaking to Ezekiel, and now we're going to jump into my story. My life before Jesus was dry bones. I was spiritually dead. I had a great childhood. I had great parents, great siblings, cousins. I was privileged to live in a, in a home where it was my aunt and my uncle, my cousins were, you know, I'm used to that, living with a lot of people in the same household. So it was great. But in on my teen years, um, this is a a little funny anecdote, but I I became very self-absorbed and very arrogant because I have what I call a Napoleon complex. I'm not a very tall person. So I needed to show everyone that despite my height, I could beat you at anything. So there's still some of that in me. But um, I was very much thinking for myself. I needed to show others who I was. And I was not loving others. I was loving myself for most of the time. And a little context before I tell you what I'm going to tell you is I'm from, I actually, it's funny that the question is where you from. I'm from Caracas, Venezuela. That's in South America. And at the time, um, I was 19 years old, and I was, um, it was 2003, and in that time, if you know a little bit about Venezuela, if you don't, that's okay, but it was voted, I don't know the exact data, but it was like five years on the road that it was voted the most dangerous city in the world. What Venezuela was going through was going through a lot of turmoil, politically, socially, um, economically, and then we started feeling it on the ground level. And the way we felt it as the people is we were not safe, it was very dangerous. So, with that idea in your head, um, I was, and all Venezuelans, when you get out of your house, which is kind of crazy to think, you will not step foot on the street with your cell phone out, not with a ring on your finger. When you drive your car, you run into your car. You run into get out of your car. That's how dangerous dangerous it was. So, on a Saturday morning, random Saturday morning in 2003, my dad tells me, hey David, um, do you mind go picking up some food for the family, so I, we had only one car, so I went, picked up some food, got takeout, and came back and parked in front of my house, but at the moment I parked, I saw another car parked on the other side with very dark tint, and I, I was like, I don't recognize that car, so I didn't get out of the car, I was waiting. They, the, the car started driving, and I was like, oh, okay, it's clear, so I turn off my car, and as I do, I look in the rearview mirror and I see six men coming out of this car with, with guns, come towards me. They grab me, push me in the back seat. They jumped in the car, started the car and started driving. And the other car pursue us and then a couple blocks they told me, we're gonna move you to the next car. If you try to do something, we're gonna shoot you. And I'm like, okay. They move me to the next car, put me in the, behind the driver's seat they told me, put your head down, and they put a, a gun on my ribcage, and they started driving. So this felt like, literally like two seconds. It was like a rush, and then the next thing I know, I'm with my head down, and at the corner of my eye, from the window, I could tell we're jumping on the highway, so we're going very far. So I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I had no idea what's going on. And the first thing, again, I was, not following God, I was. I, I'll give a little context that I was raised Roman Catholic. I was a good Catholic boy until I was 12. I actually went to the Vatican, and I felt like that was like the Super Bowl. And but I did not have a relationship with God. I didn't know the understanding of the importance of God. Why do I need a God? What do I need Jesus? I, I always heard Jesus, but I didn't understand what it was. But as I stood in this moment of, I, I, I couldn't think of anything, the first thing that I did was to look at the corner of my eye to the sky. I don't know why, that was the first thing that came to me and I, and I asked a question. I said, is this how I go? Is this it? this is how I die 19 years old? And after that, the next thing that came to me was my mom. And it was my mom's voice specifically telling me something she was good she, she kept repeating this throughout my whole life uh she was a believer so she said anytime that you're in a distressful situation or whatever whoever's trying to harm you you pray for them you say that you imagine them being like poured like the, the blood of christ is pouring on top of them i was like what what well, that has to do with anything but in that moment that's the voice that came to me and i was like Okay, that's exactly what I'm gonna do. And I started doing that without knowing what I was saying. I started thinking of these two guys and myself being poured by the blood of Jesus. And what happened next was very interesting and it's is gonna be a clue of of the remaining of the story is that I felt absolute control and peace which didn't make any sense. It, it, It was so dramatic, the change, that even as I was looking down, I put my hand up to see if I was shaking, because I wasn't. And I'm like, why, what's going on? I don't know. And then I saw the guys started shaking and getting super nervous. So I took control of the situation. I told the guy, hey, listen, you know, the roads in Venezuela are not nice. We, we, you know, you we, we fall into something, you're gonna shoot me by mistake. Put that gun away, started talking to them. Ended up not befriending the guys, but they were like, oh, you're so nice. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, they dro- they, and then they told me, you know, don't worry about it. We're gonna drive you around until the other car is gone. We're after the car, we're not after you. Um, three hours later, they dropped me off at a remote place, called my parents, they picked me up. Um, and, you know, I I understand this is very shocking to hear from pretty much anyone. Uh, sadly, is the story of many Venezuelans. But personally, after that, six months later, I started having Um, out of nowhere panic attacks. I said out of nowhere at that moment I didn't understand why very logically it was um, a result of what happened to me very very traumatic and the problem was is because of my Napoleon complex and all my um, self-absorption and my image that I was trying to portray I became two persons. One was David the cool guy that was funny and I and was like likable and all these things, and behind back doors, I will go home and, and live in, in a nightmare. I will have newly panic attacks and side attacks every day. And I didn't know, so what I did was I didn't share it with anybody, and I, say, I said, I, I'm gonna deal with this, which I didn't. And for 11 years, I dealt with that. And I said, I was so in that, that in, in that darkness that I said, I would rather die my, but, and, and just go through this by myself than ever tell anyone about this, because I was just this is what's going to be but this created me a lot of damage I was very much in distress every day, so you see the, the, the dry bones in Ezekiel my life before Jesus you can get the hint of the dry bones in my life um, at the time I was 19, for 11 years until I was 30 going through this, um, and it, it, it kind of, everything came to like um, a crescendo and end when, On uh, 2014, in December, I started feeling chest pains and, and my blood pressure was out of control. I was not good. I felt like that I was literally gonna die that day and I went to the emergency room. The doctors didn't know what was wrong with me. And they ordered test, a lot of tests. And then from December 2014 until February 2015, I was just doing echocardiogram stress tests, all these things. And it, it was just hell, because I felt that all these years, I knew that something was gonna eventually have to give. And that was it. They look at my heart, it was bigger than normal. It didn't look good so in this section life before Jesus as I told you I want you to, to look at what God is doing we kind of saw a glimpse of what he was doing while I was in that car and I want you to look at it in your life my dry bones my deadness was in that and, and at the end of this verse in Ezekiel 37 3 God asks a question. He says, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And that's what I wonder at that time In what I was expecting a result. So think of that. Is there dry bones in your life right now? Was there in the past? And ask yourself this question. And if you can't answer it, you think that these dry bones can live? So for my second part of my testimony that I titled, When I Met Jesus, or the Rattling Bones, um, it's Ezekiel 37, the second part of the third verse until 8. He said to me, prophesy, oh, sorry, I replied, Lord God, only you know. He said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones here the word of the Lord this is what the Lord God says to these bones I will cause breath to enter you and you will live I will put tendons on you make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin I will put breath in you so that you come to life then you will know that I am the Lord so I prophesied as I had been commanded While I was prophesying there was a noise a rattling sound and the bones came together bone to bone as I looked tendons appeared on them flesh grew and skin covered them but there was no breath in them so we see this vision that God has given Ezekiel and it's just it's a miracle it's dry bones dead all of a sudden there's a movement there's a rattling there's something that's happening there he sees them connecting to each other they see the tendons coming the skin coming and they stand there But if you notice, it's important this part, but there was no breath in them. So these bones, they form a skeleton, they form skin, they form like an apparatus, but there's no life in them, there's no breath in them. So this was for me how it was for my when I met Jesus, when I understood who Jesus was and what was his importance, but I didn't understand the full scope. So I stand feeling and understanding the power of God in my life, but I didn't come to life right away. So I went to the doctor to receive the news. Um, And the night before I went to receive the news, I was in my room and I I was just freaking out. I was like, this is it. They're going to tell me there's something wrong with me. And um, that coupled with all my anxiety issues, it was it was a very dark night. And then uh, in, in that interim of time, between I in December 2014, February 2015, someone gave me a book. And they told me, read this book. I think this is going to help because they could tell I was not in a good place. Um, the book was called The Power of Positive Thinking. Uh, I read it. I would not recommend it, but that's what God used for me. And then what happened, and the interesting thing about that book is that it was like self-help book with techniques, which are very helpful, but with a, a flavor of the Bible. So what, how does that look like? The guy will say, you know, repeat these verses 10 times in the morning, 10 times at night. So they were like Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I will repeat that 10 times in the morning, 10 times at night. And then I will repeat, like, if God is for us, who can be against us? But I just was repeating. I didn't know what I was saying. It was helpful somehow. But then I got to Chapter 4. And I got to Chapter 4 that night before. And and, and the title of Chapter 4 was Try Prayer Power. And I was like, okay. And I started reading. I knew, as I told you, I was a Roman Catholic. Raised, and, and I knew prayer very well. Um, but it was more repetition and I didn't know what I was saying but the book said something very interesting it said talk to or pray like you're talking to God like a normal person not trying to come up with fancy words or think you're a priest just pray to him talk to him and then he said think of him as he's in the room with you And and then he said something very interesting he said think of Jesus as being in the room with you—that he—he's the one you're talking to—not just God, not just a big deity. Talk about Jesus sitting in your room. I was like, okay, this is very strange, but I was desperate. I was willing to try anything. And as a good Catholic boy, I got in, on my knees in front of my bed and closed my eyes and and literally, like, I—I think verbatim, I said, "I don't know what I'm doing, but." If you're real or whatever, Like, show yourself. I, I didn't know what I was saying. And then for a second there, I started being overcome with a sense of something very strange to me that I haven't felt. Remember, I was darkness for 11 years. Specifically that night it was very dark. Started feeling peace. I, I didn't know what peace was. I was having panic attacks every day. I thought I was gonna die every step I took. So I was like, "Okay, what is this?" And I could almost, with my eyes closed, kneeling, really, I felt like, you know, I, I really felt that he was there with me, with my eyes closed. And it was like this, this, this overwhelming sense of his presence that I felt that I didn't know what it was, and it was just it, it physically felt like just relief and, and like a refreshing to my heart. It was it was like I had this knot tied up in my chest for the longest something pressing on me and all of a sudden it wasn't there. And I I, I just kinda let myself go with my eyes closed and I was like, oh man, this is this is incredible. And the next thing that happened is very strange and I still to the day it's kinda hard to wrap my mind up around it. But it's the truth. That's what I'm telling you. This is my witness to you. I had a vision of like me walking into a room, small room. There was a chair on the left. There was another chair on the right in the back with a desk. And as I'm in this, I was like praying, but I kind of like not talking, just looking at this. In the corner, I see in the, in the left chair, I see a man in a white robe sitting down, which I couldn't see his face, but I, I you know, I assumed since I was praying and talking to Jesus that he, that was him. And, and and as I keep walking, I, I sat on the chair and waited in, in the chair. And then all of a sudden, the doctor came in, sat at the desk, looked at my all of my results, and he said, David, "There's nothing wrong with you. Everything is normal." And I and I and I remember feeling this sense of peace. And then I kind of looked, saw myself going from the hospital to my car, and I kind of saw like Jesus walking next to me, and, and you know, or this man in a white robe, which. At the moment, uh, I guess I assumed it was Jesus, um, and I kind of like snap out of it because it was too weird, and and I was like, "What was that? I don't understand." So I decided to go to bed, which I had enough peace to be able to sleep to to go and face the next day. I wake up and I was in good spirits. I I was happy, and I went and took a shower. I was repeating my verses. And my mom asked me, oh, do you want me to go with you to the doctor? I was like, no, don't worry. Someone's going with me. And she was like, what? Who's going with you? So don't worry about it. I get in the car, and I even remember I'm trying to put my stuff on the passenger seat. And I'm like, oh, no. You know, this is where Jesus is going to sit, so let me put this back here. Um, and I was like, oh, happy. And all of a sudden, I walk into the hospital, and as I soon as stepped Foot into that office. I forgot everything about Jesus, about prayer, about positive. Nothing. It was just full-on panic attack, and I was like, "This is it." Like I was just so afraid. They call my name. I go into this room. They take my blood pressure through the roof. The nurse looks at me. is like, "Are you okay?" I was like, "Uh, "Don't even ask." And. Then she tells me, okay, come to this room, the doctor's gonna read you the, the test. And then as I started walking, and I look at the office, I was like, oh no, don't tell me this. It was like the same thing I was looking the night before. And then I look at the, the chair on the left, and I look at the chair on the right, and the desk on the back, and I was like, okay, don't tell me that Jesus is gonna appear right here on this chair, because I'll drop dead right now. And I just walked in, sat down on the chair, Kept looking at the corner at that chair, thinking, "Okay, well, what what does this mean? I don't understand." But then all of a sudden, I started feeling that same peace I felt the night before, and and it, so like I, I even kind of like get goosebumps thinking about it, because I was like, well, "So wait, so you're, I can't see you, but you're here." That's why I felt last night. That's what you're telling me right now. All trying to figure out in my head as the doctor walks in. I was kind of dozing off like looking at the corner. And then he sits down, reads the, the results, and tells me, There's nothing wrong with you, David. And I told the doctors like what? Like what? you told me last time I saw you that you were very concerned. He's like, Yeah, your your heart is bigger than normal, but um everything's perfect. Everything is normal. And I was like, Okay. I, I walked out of the office. Of course, I was very happy to hear that. And as I started walking towards my car I just get that sense of that peace again very overwhelming and remember that vision of kind of like him walking with me and it was just like growing and growing I get in my car I grab the steering wheel and I and I say out loud I don't know what this means but I, I'm yours that's all I said I didn't know what I was saying so then you, you see the, 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 the correlation of these bones that come together from Ezekiel and then I felt the the power of God, a miracle of just the peace that I felt. That was a miracle in itself, and and, and also of a, some sort of vision and some sort of I, I couldn't understand, but I stood there. But that wasn't it because the story could have ended there. It's like oh well you know, I was happy and then I could have gone back, lived my life the same way I was living, and it. it was just kind of like thank you Jesus that was a good one. And that's it. Keep walking. But there was something different. Something broke. It wasn't the same. I was different. Something happened. I didn't know what it was. But that wasn't it. I met Jesus. There was rattling of bones. There was movement. God was doing something. And with that, we're going to the third and final section of my testimony, which I titled, With Jesus. And I call that Life. It's in Ezekiel 37, 9 and 10. He said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man. Say to it, "This is what the Lord God says: Breath, come from the four winds and breathe into the slain, so that they may live." So I prophesied as he commanded me. The breath entered them, and they came to life and stood on their feet. A vast army. So a week after that, I after I stood in my car and said, "I'm yours," um, I went to church because. I was like, well, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, so step stepped foot in the church. Um, it was like modern, younger people type of thing, and the message was great. And at the end, uh, the pastor uh, did an altar call. And I was confused because I was like, well, I kind of an altar call is when the pastor calls you to the front and says, if you wanna receive Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior, please step. It's like a, a step of obedience, a, a public declaration of something that's going inside of you. And I was like, I kinda did that already. But at the same time, I felt like, oh wait, this is important, so I, I stood up, went to the front, they prayed for me. And in that in that moment, I, I, I knew that I was different. And I knew that I was going to live my life completely different from then on. But there was a missing part. There was something. I didn't know what it was. And then the, the next step for me was immediately was the word of God. I started reading the Bible. Believing that is the word of God. Reading it like it's the word of God. And, and it was like I was thirsty. And I was hungry. And I just devoured it. And after reading the gospels. I was like oh I know what's wrong was something that is and it's essential this is this is where it stands or falls Christianity and it was the resurrection of Jesus because historically if we're gonna talk about you know more um, let's say uh, secular studies about who Jesus was the historical Jesus they they call him there's little doubt that there was a man that lived 2,000 years ago in that section of, of Israel that walked and, and, and you know was a prophet and did wonders, and, and somehow divided history into two. Which just, sometimes that boggles my mind too. When I think of just the historical Jesus, not as God, of how a man in flip-flops that didn't have any money, that was single, that died on a cross, broke history in half. There's before Christ and after Christ. That, that just I always wonder that, but so as i stood looking at the historical jesus as the man that walked did wonderful things great man a righteous man but then they 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 threw they throw two curveballs at me with the bible they said well that man wasn't just a man that was actually god in the flesh and i was like "Uh, okay and then not only that but as a man he actually died not pretended to die because he has the power not to die and it was just like a play pretend so we could see no he actually died dry bones, dead, and then resurrected on the third day. That's what we celebrate. That's what we as Christians stand on. And I just couldn't say it. I couldn't actually just believe it because I have to. I'm very challenging. I I like to ask a lot of questions and I don't take things at face value. So I kept reading and praying and talking to people until I I was like, it it, kind of clicked on me and i was like how can i claim to have seen you in that time you were with me you changed, and i felt your presence and still say that you died but you didn't resurrect it and I, I that's the way i dealt with it but as i started reading scripture it's just it's 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 supernatural it's the holy spirit revealing that this is what i now believe and there's implications for that it's not just believing oh that's a cool thought it's literally you understand that god who is the one who created you he created you with a purpose to come and to... There's a purpose of being here. It's not just a coincidence. And, and, and to understand that purpose and then to make it as personal as to it with Him coming to earth. Becoming what we were supposed to receive as punishment. Him receiving it and then giving it to us through faith. Only for, because of His grace. So that's when I, I felt the breath. Of God coming to me where I fell if we think of that image when God creates man in Genesis and then he, he, he makes it out of, of out of dirt and then he breathes into him the word uh, breath or spirit It's penuma in the Greek and that's what it means the spirit of God is the breath of God is what gives us life is what how he created man and that's exactly how I felt, I felt like breath coming into him. His Holy Spirit resided on me, and now having this passion for his word and for understanding his presence. And not only that, but it's not just me and him, but it's, it's outwardly, it's supposed to pour out. And actually something wonderful happened after that, after when I came to life. My two sisters, my older sister, a week after I had that experience at the doctor's, she went through the same thing in her own way. She told me, and she looked at my eyes and said, David, like I believed you, I was like, what? Like, this is crazy, are we losing our minds? I was like, no, it's like as real as, 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 as I'm seeing you. And that was a, a wonderful thing God allowed, because for a year, she was my friend, she was my partner. We, we we prayed, we read the Bible voraciously, and we loved people voraciously and loved God. And a year after that, my younger sister also came to faith, and, and, and my father later on also, and it was just like a, It was like a domino effect. He just knocked us out. And it was just by the witness, the testimony of my own life. I wasn't telling them, hey, you got to believe in Jesus. But they just saw me. They saw a man that was away, and now it's a different way. A man that was self-absorbed, that was all about himself. All of a sudden, just thinking about others, loving people, without wanting to take... Uh, the, the, the credit for it because it truly isn't and I can still to the day I cannot stand here and tell you that any good that is in my life is from me it's 100% I will say that to the day I depart it's him and I know that many people here today can say the same thing so as we thought of dry bones in my life and you think of yours spiritually dead before him coming alive with him think of the resurrection that's the power people that's the power church the same spirit that rose jesus from the dead is the spirit that lives inside of us it's a wonderful thing it's a mystery that it's hard to wrap our minds on but that's what god gave us and we feel it it resonates when someone else tells us their testimony so to wrap it up i just want to read um, a couple of scriptures that talks about the, the, the importance of that resurrection, the resurrection of Christ and how He with that power resurrects our life. For those who are believers I tell you this is like there's not enough things that you can think of on this as your power for your everyday life. For those who don't believe in God and Jesus, I will say, like me standing on that floor asking God what is the importance of Jesus and his resurrection, I will encourage you to ask and talk to him. But um, if you wouldn't mind going with me to first Corinthians 15 1 through 7. Now I want to make clear for you this is Paul speaking brothers and sisters. the gospel the good news I preach to you which you received on which you have taken your stand this is where we stand people and by which you are being saved Listen, like this is where we tune our ears. Paul is telling us, this is where we stand without it we fall. This is why we're being safe. This is why we do what we do here. If you hold the message I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received. He's saying it, listen, the most important, that Christ... Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, so he was dead, people, that he was raised on the third date according to the scriptures. You cannot have Christianity without the resurrection. And that he appeared to Cephas, which was Peter, then to the 12, which was the 12 apostles, then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of of them are still alive, that's a good one, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as the one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. It's Paul speaking. So he tells us the important part. He says, Jesus' death for our sins, God in the flesh coming and dying for us. He says he was buried. He was dead. He wasn't a play pretend, and he was risen on the third day. And, and he says he appeared to these people. Why is he saying that? we got to remember, this was written on the first century, right after Jesus um, resurrected. And he says, he not only was resurrected, and he showed himself to just me. You know, that, that wouldn't have been something that you can attest to. But he says, you know, he showed to these 12 people. Actually, he showed to 500 people at the same time. Go check with them. There's some of them alive. Some of them have died. And then he, you know, he's helped to me. Giving, saying like, this is real. This is not a fairy tale. This is not just a book of faith that you either believe or let go. This is what happened historically. When you go and you do the exercise of looking at these accounts are actually real, they, they stand the test, people. This is not just, let's just believe. Close your eyes and throw yourself into the abysm. No. But it's important that we proclaim what it's important, which is the resurrection of Jesus. And if we, and then important enough is that now in 1 Corinthians 12 through 19, Paul is going to tell us the actual importance of this. Let me go here, sorry. Um, Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain and so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up. In fact, the dead are not raised. And at the end he says, if we have put our hope in Christ for this life only... We should be pitied more than anyone. but the fact is that this is this is true church stand on this truth that the resurrection of Christ is the power for us to be able to live today. Now if I will, I will say, oh thank you for your time and I'll finish everything right here then that that that's great. but the fact is this is This is not about how God came to my life and saved me from struggles or from my problems. I still, till today, still have symptoms from what happened to me, what was done to me. Emotionally, physically, I still struggle with it. He healed me in so many ways, and it's incredible, and I know he can fully heal. But the importance of the message is not just to come to Jesus as a genie in the bottle asking, please save me, please heal me. This is what you're here for. No. This is what we're created for. God created us. And, 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 the, and the idea of the creation is for us to be in relationship, in, in communion with him and with others, and to experience that love. So think of that. Don't, as a believer, don't think that, well, maybe I just didn't do it right. Maybe I'm struggling right now because maybe I just don't have enough faith, or maybe you know I, I did something wrong. But no, people. Life... Until we go to him, it's hard. It's difficult. He doesn't give us all the answers for life. He allows us to live with the questions. And and, and he gives us a family, a family of faith. And he gives us hope. Now you go through difficult things knowing that there's something to hold on to. So if you're struggling, if there's anything in your life right now where you are doubting that you actually are saved, or you're doubting the power of God in your life, please don't. I'm telling you, and this is why we have each other, by the way. We we must. We are not supposed to live in 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 and pretend that we're okay. We're not okay. That's what we're Christians. We say, I don't have it all together. You do. I give you my life. That's exactly what it is. So, I want to conclude with um with just scripture, and um, it's going to be efficient 2. I'll read it to you, and it's funny because um. My friend Taylor told me that this is the same scripture that Pastor Dave and his wife Michelle ended the the last the last week. I didn't know that that was the same verse they decided. But as I'm preparing my testimony, I talked to a friend and he t- tells me about this verse. And I was like, "Oh, that's perfect! I can end with that." Just reading that, and then I, I presented to Taylor, and Taylor was like, "Oh, you're using the same." Scripture that Dave and Michelle used at the end of the, and I'm like, what? That, that was it. It's like the exact same one. And so, with that, I'm going to read it to you. That ties to my testimony and to what we've been talking about. But I will tune your ear, church, New Hope, everyone that's here. God is speaking when He repeats things, that's His way of talking to us. So, let's read this throughout the week. Maybe meditate on it and think what is God telling us here in Ephesians 2 one through 10. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclination of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. I love this. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that, that in the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourself, it is God's gift. Not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, God creator, Lord, we stand today here as your body, as the people who have witnessed your goodness, as people who have received your mercy. Jesus, we thank you. We're grateful that because of what you did and the way you have revealed it to us today and in our lives, that we can stand and live. Have rattling bones come to life. It's a miracle, Lord. We thank you for it. I pray for every person in this room, Lord, that if they have experienced dry bones or are experiencing right now, that your life, your, your resurrected life, spiritual life will come to them, Lord. And not so that just they can have an easy life, Father, but that they will come and worship you and love you and know that they were created to do that same thing. The purpose for their life is to be in communion with you, Lord. Every day we understand that, and as we understand that more, the more we love you. Please reveal yourself to us and through your word, Father. We love you so much. Amen.